This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast, and the season is over. It's finished, kaput, end of story. But I'm sitting with my mates in a bar. What kind of bar, may you ask? I'm in a Dutch bar. Why are we in a Dutch bar? Doesn't take a rocket scientist to find out why we're sitting in a Dutch bar. De Hems, just off Shaftesbury Avenue. All sorts of Dutch people in here. It's brilliant. Clogs tulips everything all the stereotypes have been thrown at us <laughs> but listen anyway Marianus Dijkhausen the new Brentford manager has joined us so we thought how better way to celebrate a new manager but to sit in a Dutch bar drinking Dutch beer later in the show just check it out we're going to chat to a Dutch fan in this bar who actually was trained by Marianus Dijkhausen it's a new era for Brentford I'm Billy Grant I'm in the pub with Mr. David Lane. Mr. Lane, how are you? I'm all right, mate. Got a nice bit of e, bit of fat, bit of e down here. Hold on a second. I've got something to pass over to you. It's a brown envelope. Well, well, he's gone, hasn't he? Who? Um, what's his name? Never heard of him. Well, he's resigned, hasn't he? Who? You know. Oh, you mean Sepp Blatter? Yeah. He's gone. He's gone. It's like, is this pre-season or is this post-season? What, what, what kind of season is this? this you, is say, you say it's post-season, it's technically pre-season, surely? It's kind of post before the pre, okay. but yes. Right. But it doesn't matter, Sepp Blatter's gone because he decided he couldn't take the heat. Nah, he's... Um, Allegedly. He's taken, he's, 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 he's um, got his new Brentford season ticket and um, he's, uh, he's done the old off-ski. But um, yeah, fair, fair play to him for doing the right thing for once. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't under pressure at all, was he? Well, no, not the whole, the whole of the world hates you. What am I going to do? Shall I, shall I resign him? Or might as well. Uh, who, who, who told him to go? Was it? It must have been lawyers. Is, is no, no. no, 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 no. The person who told him to go was Brentford, our ex-Brentford chairman, Greg Dyke. You know, Greg Dyke called for 
set Blatter to go, and so went, what Brentford wants, that, yeah. Brentford happens. You think that made all the difference, yeah? I yeah. think, yeah, I think it shows yet again Brentford's influence on world football. That's right. You know, and I reckon we should be seen to be being the leaders in the new way of thinking in you, world football. You can't, you, know? you can't keep us out of the news at the moment. New Absolutely. world order. <laughs> yeah, that is Brentford FC. Obviously, his stats didn't stack up, did it? What for Blatter? No, not at all. You no, know, but no. per- perhaps you know, yeah, Greg Dyke, Greg Dyke for new FIFA chairman. Let's have uh, that. You know, yeah. and, and, Dyke. and Dyke's a very, very Dutch name as well. <laughs> it is actually <laughs> taking over the world. That's absolutely. Right. And, and, and talking about people who are taking over the world, we got Mr. Nick Cartu at the moment now, mostly relaxed because the Liberal situation is over and it's the summer period and he is moving on to new things yeah 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 as long as I can avoid the windmills that are going around in this bar that'll be fine you know, yeah. that is indeed you know get the clogs off Nick so listen how are you doing mate I haven't seen you for a couple of weeks yeah no I'm good I'm good I'm looking forward actually to uh, thinking about whether we might have a pre-season trip either to uh, watch uh, Midland in the uh, Champions League uh, qualifiers or possibly why wasn't there a friendly against a nice Dutch team you know nice trip to Denmark or nice trip we, to Holland that would be a really good we, summer we, holiday a, a pre-season friendly with Middle Earth or whatever Midland <laughs> actually means yeah yeah, yeah. But, I, mean, that, I mean that would be good I mean the, the, again you know Great Uwe Rosler when he took us all to uh, to Germany that time, which is a fantastic pre-season friendly. But since then, Brentford's got a little bit big time and they thought, oh, we don't need to do this fan mixing thing. So uh, they've gone a little bit off the boil and we were meant to be going to America today. But the rumour is that we're actually, well, it's not a rumour actually, we've been meant to get to Portugal, which is not meant to be a fan game, but it's just like Portugal training thing. And we've got Michelin, we've got Dutch teams, we've got all sorts of stuff. Why can't we go over there is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Michelin for a, um, I'm sounding like a Dutch person now, Michelin trying to sound like a Danish person in a Champions League qualifier It'd be a good trip a good summer trip it's a nice place Denmark well, so I have to say you know if we've got an owner that, that owns a Danish team and you've got a, um, a manager who's just left a Dutch team we as fans need to be playing a Dutch team or a Danish team we don't want to be going to Hampton and Richmond Borough if we can avoid it we would actually quite like to go somewhere or Norwich and Leicester, no, 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 no. We, need to bring, we need to bring, we need to bring home the bacon, you know. So anyway, listen, the Allard, Mr. Matt Allard, is here again. You've been drinking all sorts of ridiculous beers over the last couple of weeks, haven't you? Well, I've, I've, I've actually, last two weeks I've been off it, but, but just before that I was actually in the Netherlands, just before the news broke, which is a bit of a shame, it would have been good to have been there when it did break. Could yes. even have taken a quick train out to Rotterdam maybe and done some finding out. But um, yeah. My recommendation would be Hoppen as the um, Where is as Hoppen? The great beer. Well, it's a beer that's made just outside of Amsterdam in Harlem. Ah. Ooh. And they got their own brewery in a church. Um, so that would be a very good place to meet if Brentford ever get to play a pre-season friendly in the Amsterdam area. Sorry, so is this a church... Is this a practicing church as well as a brewery? So you wake up on Sunday morning and are able to repent the sins of the Saturday I, night. I, I wasn't there for a Sunday, but I would suspect it'd be a very popular church. Right. If um, if it was, and and maybe the church should consider it you because, because th- with with falling numbers, I think it could be a, could be the way forwards. Go and seek forgiveness for having drunk so many pints and that's cool. I like that one. So churches in Holland, something that we got to look forward to if Marius Dijkhausen could actually sort out a pre-season. Forget all this Portugal nonsense and this America business. Let's get over to Holland. We all want to go out there early in July. Listen, dates are all freed up, so just do the business. But anyway, listen, we got new manager, Dijkhausen and his assistant, Roy Hendrickson. 
they've entered the building. We thought how best to check out how these guys are doing, how good Marius Dijkhausen is by going over to Holland to speak to Dutch fans and to the Dutch media about Marius Dijkhausen. Well, he's, he's actually uh, working at top level for about a little bit more than a year now. Um, he, um, he was quite well known as a player. He was a decent, mediocre stri striker, worked hard, uh, played for some well small clubs in Holland. Um, he was a tall kind of striker, you know, um, a little bit of an English kind of striker, actually. And um, so he, his name was quite well known, but he um, he became a coach in the, on amateur level first um, at, a, at a little tiny club called Montfort. And um, he got promoted, I think, two times in a row. And he did, he did fantastic over there. And he got the attention from uh, from um, the chairman of Utrecht in the first place. He used to play for Utrecht as well, uh, Marinus. And um, but actually, he went to Excelsior uh, last season, and uh, well, quite sensationally, he um, he got them promoted to the well, the Dutch Premier League, the Eredivisie, and um, he did really, really well. And um, everybody was really positive about him. Uh, the players, the media. Everybody was quite uh, impressed by his um, his methods, his uh, his way of thinking, his way of doing. So yeah, he he um, he got a small track record, but a good track record in Holland. Were you really surprised that Marinus Dijkhausen left you to come to Brentford? Actually, I was yes, because uh, this winter he uh, signed a contract for two extra seasons, and I was really like, yeah, he will not go anywhere in the Netherlands, and which uh, team from out of the Netherlands would have him. Well, he did really, yes, because first he got us from, when he came in, we were seventh and well, it was decent, but not really good. And then after that he came and uh, we played really good. We began to win games and we ended third. Then we got into playoffs for relegation and we went up. And this season was really good football. And we even got to the half finals of the cup. We love him. We yeah. love him. He still did a great job. Excelsior kept Excelsior in the in the Premier League in the Eredivisie this season, and he did um, he did it really well. They played uh, they played good football. So um, yeah, he he did a fine job in the last um, about four years as a coach. Well, Excelsior is one of the smallest clubs in Holland. Um, they're not well. They're doing um, quite well if you look back in the last twenty years. But if you look at um, budget, if you look at um, attendances, it's it's this really small club, maybe comparable to uh, to Yeovil Town or something in England um, or Brentford about uh, ten years ago. Um, so it is a, it is a really small club, and it's quite difficult to get promoted with that kind of budget. Um, they don't pay uh, players uh, too much. Um, they have to build a new team every every year again and again. And um, so it's quite hard to work there. Well, I think he's a pretty down-to-earth guy and he really fits into uh, to the club uh, that we have. He's down-to-earth, his comments are really straightforward, he never makes a big fuss or a big mess of things. It's, well, it's basically what you see is what you get. He plays from a very good organization, uh, starts with... Uh, with the line in the back. Um, he has a good organization, plays from the organization. He gives the players trust, I believe, so that the defenders know what they need to do. And it's very easy to play for like the midfielders and the strikers. 
And I think everybody, uh, you see him like coaching for like one and a half year, everybody knows exactly what to do and which position they need to take. So I would definitely say that he, he started with um, with the last line of the front, uh, with the defense, and then basically built up from that. I can't imagine. It's not impressive um, if you look at the wins, of course, but um, he built a team that was really hard to, de- to defeat. Uh, Excelsior is always one of the... Uh, the main teams to, to relegate. Um, if, if you if you ask people just before the season which team is going to be relegated, then they always say Excelsior. So <laughs> it's really hard uh, to keep them in the Eredivisie. 32 points and in only seven of the 80 seasons before, Excelsior earned more points in one season. So you can understand that, that this was a very good season for Excelsior because everyone thought Excelsior had no chance and would relegate with one, maybe two wins winnings but Excelsior played different and they surprised everyone in the Netherlands and the last years Excelsior when he played in the Eredivisie they always uh, stays on the 16 17 or 18th place and this season for the first time in years the lowest position of Excelsior was the 15th place and that is nice for a club with uh, like Excelsior and it resulted in avoiding relegation for the first time in history without playing the playoffs. So. And um, he, he built a team that was really hard to compete. Um, nobody, even Ajax, Feyenoord or PSV, they didn't, win, they didn't win easily at Excelsior or against Excelsior. He built a, a good collective of, of young players. Um, they had a, a typical approach. You could, uh, they played the same in a good way in almost every game. So it was a recognizable team and he built it, built it from young, cheap players, actually. So that makes it impressive. Yeah, I think that is next to has been a good coach. I think he, he put um, the complete team to a whole level. But also I think he really, really um, made made all the players better. Well, he can he can bring some... some tactical knowledge to, to the English game in general, I think. When I look at the championship games, you saw it at Brentford as well this season. When you play a, a, um, an, a smart tactical game with technical good players, then, then you're going to make a difference quite fast in a championship because most of the teams, I think about more than half of the teams, are playing a little bit, little bit in an old-fashioned way. So if Dijkhuizen can, can put some of his Dutch standards and Dutch way of thinking into the Brentford game, then that might be, well, quite an experience and then it can make a difference. If you look at Ronald Koeman at Southampton, he um, he didn't make it too difficult. He just played an easy game uh, from a Dutch point of view. He, he, he approaches as a Dutch coach and put his experience as a Dutch manager on English football and it worked out really well. And the same can can happen at um, at Brentford, I think, with Dijkhuizen. We 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 purchased a striker this uh, this season, and he had a lot of injuries at his uh, previous what his, team. What was his name? Uh, Van Van Weert, and uh, he scored thirteen for a small team as us. It, it, that's pretty good. Uh, imagine what he uh, what he would do if like uh, get all the assists from players like uh, from PSV and from Ajax. He would, could maybe double that. He, he built a. Um, a solid team at Excelsior, absolutely. Uh, he started with uh, with with a def- defense. He had to because Excelsior is a is a small team, as you know. And um, yeah, he focuses on that. He, he focuses on a on a good organization, 
Um, and and um, he, he's not a very he didn't play very adventurous at Excelsior, I have to say, because um, Dutch football can be quite attacking and adventurous, and he didn't really play like that. He he played it uh, solid, well organized, good tactics, and 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 he's a coach who, who thinks like that. He, you 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 need to give give a team what they need in their specific position, and um, he's going to look at the players first. He's going to look at uh, what Brentford is used to play, so he's not going to start a, a a revolution. He, he he's going to he's going to try to improve the team slightly, step by step. I guess he can succeed. I mean, but he needs some help from the team around him. Of course, they know English football. They know the English players. So um, he, he has to work together with the other guys. Dijkhuizen approached uh, a colleague of mine. Um, to to get tickets for Brentford, actually, his dad uh, turned seventy, um, and he wanted to give him a present by going to uh, a proper English club. That's that's really true. This story. So um, he surprised his dad about a year ago um, with a Brentford ticket and with a trip to London, and now he's the coach. So that's uh, that's a funny story. <laughs> So very interesting perspective from Holland there. Uh, Dutch journalist Jurt from Algemeen Daily, one of the biggest newspapers in Holland, gave us his perspective. And also we've got a load of Dutch fans from Excelsior who are gushing, love Mariner Stijkhausen. Interesting perspectives there, isn't it, guys? Yeah, it's an interesting perspective, Bill. But um, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit concerned that not only now we struggled all of last season having to pronounce Jota, and now we've got to get our our, our tongues and our palates around um, Dutch pronunciations. You know, we, we didn't we didn't buy into this. When when I bought my season ticket, it said that I was going to get 23 or 24 home games a season. It did not say that I had to pronounce Dutch well. And now I'm going to look a complete idiot now on the terraces when someone says, oh, who, "Who scored? Who crossed that?" And I've got to go. <laughs> But listen, we're going to come back and talk about Marianne Dijkhausen and the whole Dutch situation before. But let's just talk about things that are going in and around Griffin Park at this very moment in time. Camolio Mococcio. Easy for you to say. <laughs> Indeed. Plays for FC20 at the moment now. Rumours have been going around for quite a few days that the Bees have been looking at Macolio. South African player, one of the best players South Africa. Hasn't played many games for them, but apparently that's all down to politics and stuff. But apparently brilliant. We've been talking to our Dutch contacts. They think he's an absolutely fantastic player. Defensive midfielder, very good player, can control the game. His passing is superb. One of the best players in the South African football team, but like I said, hasn't played due to a lot of politics and stuff which happens out there. We all know about politics in South Africa and what's happened about the World Cup. We're not even going to go there at the moment now. But interesting move this because we've got Camolio who is potentially coming to the Bees. We've heard it on very good note that, yes, it's very close that he's going to come to the Bees. The only problem... Got good stats, has he? He's got good stats and also, you know, he's a good player and obviously he played 20. Um, Excelsior, I think they beat 20 twice this season as well. And our new manager, he's going to be, give, be able to give first-hand experience so, as to how sorry, good he was. Sorry, Bill, so we're signing a player who that our previous man our new manager beat twice last season well he didn't beat the player twice he was in a team that they beat twice right. from FC20 who apparently the reason why they went downhill and again you'll see this on the besotted.co.uk website the, the, the article on Marinos Dijkhausen 
It's interesting to see how much money was spent for Excelsior. They spent about 90 grand per point that they got, whereas FC20 spent £750,000 per point. They basically were like QPR. They just were spending money like it was going out of fashion and they didn't do the business out there. So now they're having to sell their players. He's one of their top players. They're having to sell him. They don't want to, but they have to. And we're going to go inside there, fingers crossed, cash in. The only problem we have is a work permit scenario. We're looking to wait till he gets naturalised, gets a Dutch passport, and hopefully that will happen within the next three or four months then he become a beast player this is all good stuff but is it, it strikes me as a bit sort of if we're having to search around for players who need to qualify for European passports before they come to Brentford let's look around I mean Europe is a big place there are people who are already qualified perfectly well to be able to play in Britain do we really need to be seeking out South Africans who played in the Dutch Football League who got beaten twice by the team that our current manager... It's, I have to agree, it's a little bit tenuous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's been neutralised. Mm. Mm. I, I listen, I'm not... I'm, listen, don't shoot the, don't don't, shoot the carrier pigeon not, here, mate. You know what I'm saying? Mean, Apparently South Af- Southampton were after him last, um, last transfer window. Didn't happen for whatever reason. Well, maybe, the, maybe the same. Yeah, probably, but, probably, yeah. probably for work permit reasons. Yeah. So there, but I suppose what that does suggest is that um, you may be getting somebody that everyone else has been warned off or or not approached because of the work permit situation. Um, I, I'm not seeing him play. Um, will we need a defensive midfielder? Um, it, another it, one it at the do, club. Does, well, that's, well, that's, well, that's another question because yeah. it, we're talking about ins and outs. Someone in, someone out. Yeah. It does. It does smack of getting slightly too niche. You know, there are there are some really good players that are actually in our shores. Um, I know we've got to look at this mathematical model, but do we do we need do we need to take it to an extreme? Do we need to get it to a situation where you you have to then start registering players as citizens of different countries so you can get them to come in on a work permit? Is that is that taking it a little bit I, far? But I would imagine that's a natural course for him, exactly, because he needs to apply his trade or he wants to apply his trade in Europe. So I, think, I don't I, think they should be driven I, by I, I, I think South Africa um, and Holland has got a bit of a debt to South Africa anyway so I think him becoming natural oh, oh let's oh. I think yeah Bill I think you're going back I think you're going back too far in history for that one I really <laughs> do I could see where you're coming from but yeah, yes I think you know Zulu the Zulu walls were fought a long time ago Birmingham um, City <laughs> some, some, some people don't forget though yeah 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 but I mean seriously I think we have got, I, you know, I'm happy with the appointment of the manager. I'll be less happy if we start signing up players from various parts of the world who may or may not need work permit. I mean, this guy has got to start hitting the ground running. Um, I'll give him a couple of years and, you know, won't, won't demand instant success, but um, people, he's going to start trying people's patience. If the side and Erasmussen is going to start trying people's patience, if he starts signing up players who are ones for the future, I mean, you know, we don't, God, we don't, we, God yeah, we, forbid, we got Lewis McLeod, who's one for the future and is yet to step onto the Griffin. We don't, we don't need first. protracted logistics. We need, we need kind of really good improving signings now. Yeah. Or is that why we're hiring the logistics manager of Brentford? Yeah, no, we, we, it's, it's quite clear that you know where, where we where we came short last season, and we we need to just solve those problems without getting too left field here. but we didn't we didn't come up short in defensive midfield because I mean Dave Duagora played a fantastic season I mean you know he up there 
as player of the but season. But we don't we don't know what's happening there. We don't, you know the, the the rumors that you know there's Premiership sides in for him. There's there's all sorts of rumors flying around about the defensive midfielders as as you know at the moment now. So we we don't know. This situation I, is. Yeah, I, I think we'll move forward and have two players for every position at the club. And if you're going to play two defensive midfielders, which I would argue we did most of last season, I know Dougie got up, you know, pushed forward at time, but really we did play two defensive midfielders. Um, we're going to need more than two at the club, which is what we've got. Yeah, I, I think I think this is where this fascinating little window now happens is where we see um, players from last year and the year before. Um, some of them are going to be got rid of some of them will be retained new players will be brought in we've got influences all over the shop now so you know it's going to be an absolutely fascinating close season and for better or worse richer or for poorer I think you're right Nick we have to look at this for longer than next season rumours flying around this is all about a player coming in potentially player going out is it question mark Moses Odebarju now Everton there's a lot of kind of smoke and fires and all sorts of stuff going about Moses we've been talking about Moses probably for the last six months saying that he may potentially go out just because again we may have to balance our books due to uh, financial fair play so is it Moses is it hotter do we have to do that what what, what we're gonna have to do and now if Everton offer him what for five six million seven million will we sell him I got suspicion we will Um, I think I, I still think we might be surprised as to how many outs there's going to be and how many ins there's going to be. Um, this is, to all intensive purposes, a new beginning at Brentford. Um, there's a new, there's a completely new setup, a completely new structure, and I really wouldn't be surprised if we start the season off with as many as six or seven players that didn't finish the season off playing in the first team in the first game next season. I- Moses, you can only wish the best too, and I hope you know he goes. Everton seems a good fit for him because uh, Martinez is a footballing manager, and I think would understand how to use him well, as as indeed would um, Swansea City's manager Gary Monk. I can see I can see him fitting into either of those two teams. Uh, like all Brentford players, I'd want to see him go for a decent decent wedge. You know, um, you know my views. I've already expressed the view that uh, Will Gregg shouldn't go on the cheap. Moses Adjibud. Moses shouldn't go for anything less than three times what Will Gregg goes for. No, I thought I thought Moses had an exceptional season. I think he wasn't as great as some people are saying he is. I think I think he had he had brilliant spurts. I think he stopped attacking um, during physical during stages of the season. As some some games he was unplayable, um, where he was you know he was a defender that was attacking. I think he stopped going over the halfway line for a good proportion of that season. But he's he's, he's you know he's been selected to play for his country. Um, he's got an amazing future. You put him in the right team and you give him the freedom and you give him the confidence to play. He's he's capable of anything. But you know I, I think I, I honestly think he's one to sell because um, he may he may be more valuable than of use to us I think he's replaceable um, and I think we could get a lot of money for him and if if financial fair play has to be brought into this equation I think we could get six or seven million quid for him yeah in in an ideal world I wouldn't want to sell anybody um, and just bring in some other better players and you know when I say wouldn't want to sell anybody I wouldn't want to sell anybody that I would put down on the first team sheet 
and then bringing a few players to complement them. But the, the, the financial fair play thing means that, but Matt, that we've I, got I think, to do some of this. I, I agree. No, we, I think at Besotted here, we are realists. We have to look at the 360-degreeness of Brentford Football Club. And we know that if we're spending a lot of money on players now and our gate receipts are low, we have to balance the books. And that does mean selling players. Obviously, you don't want to sell them, but players like Moses Odebaggio, they are they are very valuable. And if we can buy them at a million and sell them at four, yeah. then you've got to do that once or twice a season, maybe. Yeah. And, and that, he and he deserves to be playing in the Premiership. He does. He yeah. deserves to be playing Bill, in the Premiership. What do you think? I mean, <sighs> gutted to say because what you always look at these situations, you say, okay, you sell a player, say it right back. You have to find another player. I know the system that we've got in place at the moment now, there's always a belief that you will always find another player. It's like, it's not always find another manager, always find another player. And that, I think that's the key to the situation here. So they're just saying, listen, don't worry about it. Like, as long as we get the value of it, we'll always find another player. There's always a player good enough we could train them up. So at the end of the day, I know you said four mil. I, you know, I think that we've got to be looking at more than that. We've got to be looking at, because we've got a sell-on clause to Orion, which is probably 20%. So if it's five mil, you know, they're going to get a good chunk of that. You know, we're going to be looking at five, you know, five million plus for him to make it worth our while because to buy anybody back you know we don't pay five mil but we're gonna pay, you know and may pay two million or two and a half million and it might be a bit of a gamble because it might not quite work out the say that we want to but fingers crossed you know i'd love to i'd love to keep him i i, I think we i think if he does go we're gonna have to get two right backs in because i yeah. generally think the squad will be bigger i mean it's been alluded to already um and so, you know, you want to make some money and sign two players. I, I think, you know, you always want to keep your best players. You know, none of us want to just give our best players away. But I, I just think it's like, it's, it's a, you, you can't, it's just a part and parcel of your evolution. You, 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 have to, you have to understand that people will come in for them. And, you know, that's, we, we are going to lose some players along the line. We will. And, and talking about our best players, I mean, one of our best players at the moment now, He's got another bit of interest from Bristol City. We're talking about Will Grigg. <laughs> you, said, you said best players. Listen, listen. Sorry, I'm just, you're confusing me. You I'm, said best players. I'm throwing this into the pot now. Will Grigg is, uh, if I remember rightly, is Brentford's top scorer this season. Have you, have you, you're officially his agent now, aren't you? <laughs> he scored 22 goals this season for Franchise FC, a.k.a. MK Dons. Three million pound player. You know, and... Uh, you heard you there first. F- Franchise FC came in and they didn't want, they wanted to pay. I think they, they, they bid us £600,000 and we said, see you later come back when you're ready now they'll come back now what's happened is it's a bit of a problem for them because the guys with the big money banks the wheelbarrows come in the Set Bristol Blatter. City Set that's right Seb Blatter's come in with a couple of brown envelopes he's turned up down a franchise he's thrown them on the on the turf met him at the Fountain Leisure Centre <laughs> and he said here you go let's have some of that and uh, Bristol City are very interested. Now, uh, the interesting thing about Bristol City as well is that they weren't very goal-shy last season. They scored a uh, shed loads of goals. But the fact is they've said, actually, we would actually like another goal scorer to add to our tally. Well, if now, they want to pay for him, they can have him. Anybody uh, can have him. He, Will Gregg is not a Brentford goal scorer. Sorry. Full stop. Uh, to be honest, it's great news that there's that there's more than one club because we can get a bidding war going on. So yeah, um, ring up ring up a few other clubs see if they're interested. So they've obviously gone like, how can we take the wheels off of this promotion? So we're gonna we're gonna sign a player that's average. 
Mr. I will drive Mr. Grant's car with Will Grigg in the back to any club that would wish to sign him. I, 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 so you, so you can do the the the, the, the deals. And you, the, the you, you and your dealing, player. I, I just you know, listen. listen yeah. All I will say is that it's very hard to find players. So goal scorers that score goals, and the fact is that he has scored twenty two goals in, in Division One. No, Division, no, it's not. Which is more than any a goal scorer. Of our score, a goal scorer. Scorer. No, a goal scorer that doesn't score goals isn't the goal scorer. No, more than any of our strikers last season. Who was our top scorer in Division One last season? You know, Clayton Donaldson, wasn't it? How yeah. many did he score? Don't know, you tell me. I don't know, probably 16, 17, but, 18 goals, but he scored 22 goals in Division 1. Again, again, you know what I subscribe to is that the team needs to score goals. I'm not interested in I know in what you subscribe to, mate. <laughs> I'm interested in certain four scoring goals. Blackburn had two of the top four goal scorers in the league and they didn't make the playoffs. Listen, point ahead anyway. That's Listen, a good we're going on. We're going to become entrenched in the Will Grigg thing, but we just thought we'd throw it into the pot yet again now that Bristol City are in. However, if Bristol City want to offer six or seven million, million pounds, pounds for Will Grigg, I'll be happy to send him off to you as well, to I, be fair. I know we're in a Dutch pub, Bill, but you really, it's a no smoking rule in the UK. You know, remember that. <laughs> you know, you know, too, yeah, much, yeah, too much yeah. gin, my friend. Yeah. And listen, and, and just, just a last little point here about things happening in and around at Griffin Park. Mark Warburton, great manager, paid him a lot of respect to the last podcast as well, and uh, you know a lot of respect on the website, and now he's officially left Brentford FC, as we know. And of course, the first rumour that has come out is that he is talking with Rangers, Scottish Rangers. Scottish team. Rangers. I've had um, several very, very interesting text messages from the Glasgow Rangers Supporters Trust, my friends up there north of the border. Um, who are clambering around for information about Mark Warburton and all I can say is just what a wonderful bloke Mark Warburton is and was and just how, and I've said it a thousand times in these podcasts, how in any other circumstances you would want him at your football club for the next 20 years. Mark Warburton is an honourable, intelligent, wonderful bloke and um, we will miss him. We will absolutely miss him. Um, and if he goes to Glasgow Rangers with um, David Weir, then fair play. It's an absolute no-brainer. He can only go there and do well. We'll take them back to where they deserve to be, and he will be the saving grace of Glasgow football. But okay, I'm just saying to you, Matt, because you were making a few points earlier. Is is this the? I mean. At the moment, Mark Warburton, a lot of people say this, they say, oh my word, I mean, the world's his oyster, he can go almost anywhere, right? You know? But is that true? And is Glasgow Rangers, because it's, it's, it's open at the moment now, is this the right place for him to go? It's interesting, actually, there's two things, isn't there? Because yes, he should get them promoted, no problem, and he'll be a hero and they'll love him. If he doesn't get them promoted, well, but if he didn't, what's his next move then? Because I, I, I always think the top two jobs in Scotland, Celtic and Rangers, if you if you if you finish third, you're struggling. The the, the style. Anybody who watches any Scottish football, and I can't claim to be, I've watched lots of games, but I have seen a few Scottish games um, this season. And, you know, the, the style of football Mark Warburton plays, um, the Rangers will 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 win the 
the championship. They will love him. That's, yeah, they will love him. But more importantly, also, they will love David Weir. And I know I go on about this, but I think, you know, Mark Warburton, I bow to and respect and think that he did a fantastic job for us as a manager. But let us not forget the contribution that David Weir made to that partnership. Um, and David Weir will return to Rangers as the homecoming hero and will be worshipped there. Um, and David Weir, I want to personally say thank you for what you contributed to Brentford Football Club. It was a pleasure to have you as the assistant uh, manager. Well, I think, I think we'll all, all, all echo that. And I, but I honestly do think, you know, I, there are there must be many clubs in for Mark Warburton at the moment. But really, Glasgow Rangers is one of the European huge clubs. And you, if that if that gets offered to you, you take it, and you, you worry about what what happens next. What you know, you don't worry about that now. And that, but but Embrace it's not it. it's not just Warburton going. It's Warburton and Weir. I think they are a fantastic double act. They're like Morecambe and Wise, you know. Hinge and bracket. Name a double. Name a successful double act. And you know Warburton and Weir will feature in that. Again, they were, the, but, no, but they, they were thrown together two, by, by yeah, Benham too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they, but they obviously hit it off. They obviously work well together. You'd be mad not to take them as a pair. And I'm sure actually that in the future we will see whether it be at Rangers or whether it be some other top footballing club, we'll see Mark Warburton and David Weir standing there on the sidelines. I don't think this will happen. But if Rangers did have some money as well. Might we never see Lewis McLeod play for Brentford? That's a that's a good call. That's a good call. They're buying back. Yeah, yeah. buyback clause. That's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah. But he, he's a, he's a Brentford player at the moment now. So and then yeah, they just, new, uh, stranger things have happened. Yeah, so if a new, new coach will come in and he's going to have a look at what coach. Well, what coach? Yeah, that's right. That's a very in-joke. Yes. Yeah, but I think you're all starting to get it right now. And the new coach will come in and he will have a look at him as he's going to have a look at all the other players and we're going to see exactly where we go. And probably the next two or three weeks we'll know what the situation is going to be. But listen, final thing we want to talk about, because we want to get on talking about the new coach, what coach, is um, Brissotti did their end-of-season survey. We did that as a bit of fun, just to find out what you loved, what you hated, Brentford, 2014 2015 the highs and the lows and all that kind of stuff and uh, it was a really interesting insight as to what fans felt was their best moments their worst moments their best videos all sorts of stuff but um we would just have a little chat about that between ourselves but it's interesting because the best game i mean obviously we all know what the best game and the best experience was was uh fulham away yeah um, i thought um fulham was all right it's <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Yeah, right. You know, right for an away game. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Run of the mill though. I mean, it was full of. You know, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, thought, I thought the best moment, no big build up, best moment of the season was when you announced there was going to be a survey on the coach. <laughs> you know, that was the euphoria. Was, that's, that's right. I mean, you look at, look at euphoria in the dictionary, it says when Bill said there was going to be a survey. That's true. <laughs> and then the, and then the, the canned laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Stopped again, but listen. Yeah, yeah. but but, but Fulham, Fulham, Fulham away wasn't actually my best game. My oh. best game, my best game was Leeds away. Oh, no. particularly, particularly because of the journey home. Actually, oh, controversial. You know. ah, nah, 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 nah. If you had been on the that, we were. If you had been on that, we, well, we yeah, were. we all were. Yeah, but on that, that train <laughs> journey, that train journey home without being a doom but that 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 
Leeds trip was absolutely ruined by what happened on the Monday when, or the Tuesday when Warburton Gate hit. You know, that was just completely and utterly derailed on a, on a, on a train journey without being actually derailed. Yeah, but we didn't know it was going to happen, did we? No, so no, we, we didn't, but it was like, yeah, it was like the, um, it was like uh, the, the, the Olympic bid. You know, we, we got we got awarded the Olympics and then we got bombed the next day. I it was almost like the, the celebration was like it, it didn't happen. Yeah, but I think good away days have to involve trips out of London. You know, Fulham is too local. You know, I mean, next year Rangers yep. Rangers will be you know just a trip. You know, it'll be like going to the Westfield shopping I mean, centre. You know, I, I, I mean, yeah. I, I have to admit, I do agree with you on that because I think local derbies. You get bigger crowds, you get a lot of fans, I'm just going to say this, who don't normally go, and it just kind of affects the atmosphere. However, I will say that there are two local derbies which I have to tip me out to, Fulham and Orient, I think there were two wicked local derbies because the vibe and atmosphere was really wicked and the fact that it was only two miles down the road didn't make any difference. Well, I hate to tell you, but Orient was the season before. No, no, I'm just saying, but I'm yeah, just talking about it's local, it's local yeah, derbies. Yeah, only because we turned up and up, took the absolute piss. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the fun, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I'd imagine what fun we'll have at Rangers next year. Oh, well, don't go to yeah. the Rangers. Yeah, Queen's Rangers. probably only give us 500 yeah. tickets. Yeah, and I think, it, I, think, I think it might be a bit tough at Rangers. Cause well, they, those of us with a 100% record, away fan record this season, of counts, course. Counts for nothing, my friend. Yeah. Uh, we'll yeah. be first in the queue. That's right. Well, I'm not far behind you with a 99.8% <laughs> record. But anyway, we won't go into that. Worst game of the season, it was the worst game of the season was actually Middlesbrough, if I remember rightly, um, the actual game itself, and the worst experience was Charlton. And, uh, I mean, I think those, again, were totally justified. Uh, any time you've got to go to South East London is going to be an absolute low point in your life. I thought Bournemouth was very disappointing. It was disappointing because it was the first away game of the season, and it was by the seaside and it was sunny. And I just didn't think they were very friendly. The pubs weren't very friendly. There was nowhere to go. We played well, though. No, it did, yeah, the game, but it was not only about the game, it was about the whole experience. The experience. The, the fan experience. And You've got to get into this new way of thinking, Dave, you know. Well, I, I never look at things from a fan's perspective. No. So what are you? Oh, you tell me. <laughs> you tell me, Nick. The best away fans, it's interesting this one because there's a bit of a marmite factor. The best away fans to come to Griffin Park were seen as the borough fans and also the most hospitable fans when we went away to their ground as well were seen as the borough fans. Uh, again, personally, I agree with that. I thought borough fans when they came down were wicked because the fans that we saw in the booze that we yeah, were in. I, I, I agree with that, but then someone said earlier, and I didn't actually think about them, Millwall. Mill, Millwall fans were just bloody brilliant. And, and I, I didn't vote for them and I, I didn't actually remember how great they were but you know Millwall fans get an absolute shocking shocking reputation you know Millwall are completely completely battered that they are scum but at Brentford they were relegated they, they were relegated but they were all but relegated and they were winning and we, we, we stole it back and after the game I've got to say fair play to them they were just probably the most humble and passionate and proud fans and you know I should I I, I need to revote because I thought Mill. I think mate. I think if you're saying that, then Wigan fans as well, who oh, yeah. came very high up in the league. Yeah, but oh. they, there was there was gallows humour with Wigan. They were already down. We, uh, Mill didn't know, and they they took they took uh, they. They're we, all butt down. We, they, no, they, yeah, no, they, but we we, we 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 stole a victory away from them that why, day, why and they did they did smash our ground up. Why are we having a loving about all the away fans who came? 
Because, no, actually, no, because we, we were talking about the best away fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, should we be should we be welcoming to away fans? Welcoming? Yeah, oh, of yeah. course we should be. It's not about welcoming. It's about having. Well, it depends on if you want to have a laugh. Or you want to sit, yeah. you know, with a couple of mates in the corner and we've just. All, you we've know, all got something in common, haven't we? It's just like those. It's like those fat Brentford fans that want to slag off Middlesbrough fans for we some strange reason. We don't have to be welcoming to the to the away teams. Excellent. Good. Yeah. I was playing the devil's advocate because no. actually, I think actually the part, the joy about being a Brentford fan is you can mix with the fans of all which clubs, is, whether it be home or away, which and is, have a good time, and that's what's important about football. You don't stop. have to take your clothes off to have a good time. Stop. We say we can stop ninety minutes. You go inside the ground. Is the ninety minutes throughout the ground? Yeah. You give them abuse. You do that. You do all the business. Ninety minutes throughout the ground. But you still have the respect whatever like that at the end of the day but you come out of it and, and that's what happened against Borough and I think the difference between say Millwall Borough um, and all these other things is that there were loads of Borough fans in our pub that we drank in who were respectful they didn't give us no grief or anything like that before the game after the game when we went to Borough it was exactly the same thing we didn't see any Millwall fans before the game in our boozer there's about two in the boozer afterwards yes they sang in the ground which is cool and that may have been sort of gallows humour to a certain extent you know there was loads of there's quite a few Wigan fans in the pub after the game and before the game and they were like properly you know they're on it so the argument is like he said to you is that during the match of course you know you give the grief and you do whatever you know there was I'm just saying there's another couple of other, other, other categories as well there was uh, the best um, slogan and the worst slogan which were the same slogan as well and obviously bees up Fulham down came quite high in the uh, well actually it won the best slogan category the worst one presumably was football village yeah. well no actually it was a tie complete another tie between football village and big new ambitions and yeah, yeah late controversial late. that's all over the season ticket application yeah. it was uh, on, i mean and it was like it was like it was, that was like, a late entry is that part of the fulhamization of our football it is club? well apparently allegedly it's part of the fulhamization of a brentford um, but yeah, big new ambitions just didn't go down well with people at I, all. I must admit, on the old season ticket that came through my, the, the application form yeah. and, the, and the, the package, it, it looked great. You know, it was, it was a nicely produced thing. But sticking little old Brentford on the, on the front of it, you know, you're, you're sending this out to your actual core fans. You're not you're not sending this out to new fans. There's, there's, there's kind of a subtlety and a nuance of of, of that that actually. It's not. It's not. It's not a sort of like downplay our football club. You know, I understand that you need to be creative, and I am a creative person. But I just, I just didn't think that. that I didn't think the tone was right. Yeah, but but but, but you have to you have to as I said, from a marketing point of view is that the little little old Brentford goes with the big new ambitions. So it's not it's not it's not one or the other. It's like the two go together. However, it's whether or not the big new ambitions thing. It's like the big new ambitions thing. We understand what it means, but it, well, I've, I've had the same ambitions for forty years. I, I, my, my, my new, they're not new ambitions this season. I've always wanted us to be good. You know, we, the fact that we are becoming good is just just overdue. To be honest. Also, said besotted moment video podcast. It's all on there as well. Player of the season, Toombs, he won the player of the season, the besotted player of the season. Hardy G was robbed. Yeah, you know that as well. Toombs, absolutely, Toombs Raider, he was absolutely brilliant player, awesome player. Again, another one that may be tipped to, to go. I mean, if he goes, we will, we will miss him, really yeah, miss him. We just saw something there that we hadn't seen before, I think. It was... Uh he was just on it every week yeah again to, just to be controversial you know he had one good season 
which was you know he needed to go he needed to leave us I, rediscover his form come came back and had one good season if you can have one you know. good season let it be at a higher level Let's see how he does next year. It's, it's, you know, we're seeing a player at his peak, aren't we? I think that's probably, uh, yeah, I think that's at, probably at his right. absolute we're, peak. We're, sometimes yeah. you see players at and their peak, and you know they're maybe one injury away from yeah. being on the other side of that. And and he's that can curve. It, you can know? that can that peak last two years? Well. I think maybe you know, another year. That's worth that's worth buying a season ticket for just to, just yeah. to see whether that happens. That's right. Yeah. Stuart Dallas goal at Fulham, second goal at Fulham, goal of the season, bang. You know, it's just like you know, no shadow, no 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 dispute. And me scored on for Northern Ireland on Sunday. He did, he did. Set up by Will Grigg and uh, Niall Quinn, as, uh, uh, Niall McGinn put the ball in as well. I just thought... Good just old Niall Quinn. Niall, Niall McGinn. <laughs> they, were, they were only playing still Qatar. Going. Niall Quinn could have yeah. probably scored against Qatar. Yeah, yeah but, right, you know, yeah. but listen, he's still tucked in there as well. Yeah, yeah. Best moment of the season. What Will Grigg didn't score though, did he? What was the best What was the best moment of the season? For me? Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, I think um, um, judges... Uh, the goal at Fulham. Yeah. I, I think that, the, that free kick. Yeah. I, 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 I'll get a hard on thinking about that forever. Yeah. Yeah. I called. I, I called it the wrong top corner, but um, yeah. I, yeah, I, just I, think, I do. I, I just, just think that whole you know, thing. Dallas got the goal of the season, but I think that goal yeah. is a different planet. Yeah. It was because that that point in the match. It could have gone either it way. It could have gone either way. The, the best moment of the season was voted. Or do you want to have a little input there? Yeah, thunderstorm at Dagenham Redbridge. All right, okay. that was fantastic. Oh, you moved that absolutely off. fantastic. That was like, that's proper left field yeah. business. That you is. know me. Yes. I come from the left. That's right. well, right. centre anyway. <laughs> Listen, but um, actually, it was hotter in the 94th minute at home. Voted the best moment of the season. Don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. and uh, but best moment of the season well, up right up there as well was the last 15 minutes of Borough. That was that was up there. I'll tell you what. Best I'll tell you what. Well. That, to be that, honest that, with that you, Bill, it. this shows you how unrigged this voting is because all of the awards we don't agree with <laughs> <laughs> because you know you got the and, and the best pub we don't drink in so, so all of those things that's, that's true we could never just be accused the best, the best. So, so, so it shows you it's yeah. firm and fair yeah the best the best pub as well was awarded to we got to mention that is the Griffin which uh, got the best pub um, which was at 0.5% over the globe I mean the battle I think it was like literally one vote but we could have we could have rigged that and we could have made our boozer the winner but it shows you we do not cheat no, and the yet. and yeah, <laughs> but no, no, no. no. Just just to go back to the Middlesbrough, the last 15, 10 minutes, fifteen minutes of the, that Middlesbrough playoff game at Middlesbrough, you know, it makes you proud to be a Bees fan. What went on there? And yeah. actually, I watched the video back the other day, and you know, the last five minutes, and it brings a tear to the eye because yeah. you think, you know, you we were there, all of us were there, bonding together. Thanking the team for having played a fantastic. And what was really nice is that I gather that actually some of the TV companies and the radio, particularly the Radio 5 commentary, Conor McNamara, shout out to him as the best commentator of the year because he picked up that for the Brentford fans doing it and apparently he sort of broke off his commentary for 15-30 seconds and said just listen to that that is what supporting a yeah. team is about and, 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 and up, the, up the ground effect I, mics. I don't want this to come across as wrong because I really loved Borough fans but what Brentford fans showed in those final minutes as you just touched upon when I looked at Wembley 
when Middlesbrough lost that playoff game against Norwich, there was there wasn't many left, so they didn't actually reciprocate yeah. that that powerful moment. Yeah. And there were some, there were some. I mean, I'm not. It's not a slight about about all of them, but we actually. Yeah, we gave it our all. The same with the Swindon game as well. Swindon the same in the in the um, League One game. Yeah. So listen, we've talked enough about all this, and it's been it's been nice to reminisce on that season, just for us to realise how lovely it was. But listen, we're on to new season now. It's the summer, but let's just look forward. We've got a new coach in place. We've got what coach? That's right. What coach? I've got no idea. We're gonna have a little bit, and we're gonna chat about our new coach, Marius Dijkhausen and his crew and what he's going to bring to Brentford. The Besotted Boys are out and about in De Hems in London. If you don't know De Hems, De Hems is a very famous Dutch pub. We came here looking for Dutch people, for Holland, for clogs, for tulips, for all that kind of stuff. And we've actually come into a very nice gentleman, a man called Derek. He's from Eindhoven and he's a Feyenoord fan. And we've been chatting about Marinus Dijkhausen and he knows a little bit about Marinus. Derek, how you doing? Yes, I'm fine. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. I'm pretty good. So you know Marina Steikhausen, um, the Excelsior manager. How did he do over there? Uh, we did uh, really well there. They almost get uh, European football uh, as well, but uh, slightly on the end, it was uh, a little bit, uh, what you say, he had bad, really bad luck. And so he finished as 14th and well, that's, that's pretty good for Excelsior. Their 14th did in the table was Marina Steikhausen. But, um, and, and the style of football that Marinas plays, I mean, were the Dutch people very impressed with what he did? Because they're a small team, aren't they? Yes, they are a very small team, but they played, uh, uh, played well on uh, attacking. Um, uh, it's one of the most uh, talented people, uh, talented trainer in the Dutch, uh, because he isn't a great player and almost all the trainers in the Netherlands are all, uh, always played professional football and he didn't. Uh, he, uh, he did really well uh, on that. So. But interesting as well, because it was just a little story. You know Marina Steikhausen even a little bit better now because what did he do? He trained your team or something, was it? Yes, he uh, trained uh, Desto in, in the Meer. That's, that's a small, uh, small club uh, nearby Utrecht. And uh, when I was little, uh, he was the trainer of the first team there. So, so in effect, Marina Stockhausen was your coach? Uh, no, not my coach, but uh, I trained him in when, uh, when I was in, uh, in, the, in the youth. So uh, he one time was my trainer. So. Okay. And he was your trainer. And how was he like? What was he like? Did he... Was he disciplinarian? Did he make, make sure that you had to run up and down them hills and stuff? No, no, it's um, neat football, only uh, passing and uh, attacking was his uh, specialty. So uh, I think uh, Brentford is going uh, very well uh, next year with uh, Marinus Dijkhausen. And, and finally, your team, Feyenoord. Yes. Feyenoord and Excelsior, are they rivals or not really? No, they're not uh, rivals, they're like brothers. Uh, when uh, Feyenoord and Excelsior have uh, good players. The really good players of Excelsior go to Feyenoord and uh, the talented players of Feyenoord goes to Excelsior. In a few seasons time, when Brentford play Feyenoord in the Champions League, are you going to come? Yes, of course, I'm going to come and I support Feyenoord but also Marinus Dijkhausen. Alright, it's good to see you there man. Okay. Nice one. Thank you Dirk. Yes. Bye bye.
So, yeah, we mentioned close season, pre-season. We, I've got no idea what part of the season it is. Mid-season. Mid-season. It's pre-post-season. Mid, 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 so, pre, listen. Pre post no, it's post-mid-season. Listen, or is it post-pre-season? Listen, let me tell you. It is pre-post-mid-season at the moment now, and we have a new manager. Marinus Dijkhausen has entered the building. Who, a lot of people said, got no idea who he was. When I was told about Marinus Dijkhausen, I had to get out the wiki and I had to get the Google Translate on because it wasn't even in English, I don't think. And there wasn't that much information on him because he's quite a new manager in Holland. But he's a new manager in England as well. He's a, he's a, he's a fairly new manager in England. So Marinus Dijkhausen and his assistant, Mr. Hendrickson, they're on board. Now, um, if you don't know anything about Hendrickson, he was actually coach of the team that was relegated when Excelsior, who was managed by um, Dijkhausen, was promoted as well. And also the two of them used to play together at a club called Cambour, which, if I remember rightly, was um, Marianus Dijkhausen's last team that he played for. And then I think he retired. I think he played for them twice as well. He played them earlier on, then he played them late on as well. Um, so, yes, so they've got a lot of a bond going on there together and they've come into Griffin Park. You've listened to the interviews, you've read the stories, you've listened to the Dutch journalists, you've listened to the fans. What's your well, vibes, guys? Well, listen to the Dutch journalists, the first thing, I'm glad, I'm glad he's our manager and he's not playing for us. Because when a Dutchman says he's an English-style centre-forward, that's never a compliment. Yes. Um, you know, and um, it, it's... I am worried, to some extent. I don't think he's got much experience. Um, he's had his time, obviously, in you know, non-league football. Um, and he's had a year and a half in pro football. Um, it's an interesting appointment. Um, you know, we'll we will see how it pans out. I think, but I do. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of thinking that Are you he, mi he, mildly aroused. Uh, mildly aroused. Yeah, mildly aroused. I mean, and but, but, but I'm more mildly aroused about the whole concept than I am about I, him I, because I just don't know much about. And talking about the whole concept, I'm just going to bring this in because I think it's more of a point of conversation. Is that I, th I don't think that we can talk about Marinus Dijkhausen as well and the Henriksen without talking about the general scenario with Brentford because obviously at the same time we've also appointed um, Rasmus Ankersen and Phil Giles as the sporting directors or the directors of football at Brentford as well who are instrumental in bringing these guys to the club so there's an ethos about the club which I think we need to talk about as well and all this kind of stuff as well which we need to talk about as well as talking about Mariners Starkhouse which we could talk about a little bit more about as bits and pieces what we might be happy about what we might be a little bit nervous about but there's an interview with Ankerson and Giles on the official site which you can check out which is which is interesting because they give their point of view which again if you ever look around a lot of the doubters and like I said to you I think it's fair enough because people are nervous of change but they were refreshed by some of the the answers that these guys gave um, at the same time a lot of people thought they were bamboozled a little bit by too much technicality and not enough well, they're, they're clearly intelligent guys, Bill. Yeah. You know, you, 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 that's the one thing you can't deny. These these guys are aren't stupid. Um, and I, I I think um, you know if I'm being balanced here, I, I, I fully understand and I can fully appreciate the, the the full fullness of what's happening at Brentford. And listening to what Matt said, you know you, you you've got to agree that um, you know. This is a very, very untried manager. Not to say that the last three haven't been, 
um, you know, Scott, you've got Rosler, and then you've got Warburton. None of them had any experience. And they, arguably, arguably, this manager's actually got more experience than the first. Yeah, those and I, I still, I still put him in the untried category, and. But I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I, I think that puts us well off the radar. If we'd have gone for someone, someone on that. Ian Holloway. If we'd have gone, there, yeah, yeah. But we've, <laughs> we, we've, moved, we've moved on. We didn't know. We didn't know them. We've been educated, but you know, if if we'd have gone for a, a headline manager, the expectations would have been sky high. This keeps us off the radar. This works for the Brentford way. Um, you know, we, who knows how it's going to work out? You know, it stacks up. His experience in Holland. Um, the fact that he's taken um, a, a, a non-fashionable club, kept him in the highest division for two seasons. He's 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 got a, no budget to work with. He, he, he has got budget to work with now. Um, he's got he's got he's got Benham's algorithm to work with now. He's got he's got backup. He's got he's got Ankerson. He's got Statsman. He's he's got all the infrastructure he needs to succeed. We, we need to give him a season at least. And, and also, the, as befits a club that is owned by a gambler, it is a gamble. Um, it's, and, it's a calculated gamble, yeah. surely. And, well, that's just what I was going on to say, is that, I mean, Matthew Benham has not um, become the successful businessman that he is by not taking calculated risks. And this, again, is a calculated risk. Um, his record, um, at first glance, that he uh, at... Um, Excelsior. Excelsior made him seem that wasn't wasn't that successful but when you drill down into the statistics and actually see what he achieved with the money that he had to spend with the players that he had with the competition they had around him it's actually a pretty pretty good good record and therefore you know bringing that style of approach and what I what I was most pleased around was to see that actually he was being praised by fans and by journalists in Holland for having playing attacking style of football because I think the one thing we didn't want as Brentford fans was to see us revert back to playing some sort of diet or dur I should say rather than dire dur type of football because we've got we played some really exciting stuff under Warburton so, clearly we should be playing sorry some good to, football sorry to this. butt in here but What's also clear is from speaking to the interviews that Bill did with the press and the fans and also the guy that we bumped into earlier today, how much respect and how much knowledge there is of what he's achieved in Holland. So it's not off the radar in, in Holland and I don't think I don't I'm hopeful it's not off the radar in England well, for too long. The either. problem of course with English football is we're terribly insular. I mean you know for, yeah. that's that's been our problem for years is we've never been prepared to look outside and that's why actually well, this well, is gonna be an exciting well, time the, the for Brentford manager was foreign and, and he, he was celebrating. Which, good one, example, of, which one of them? Good example. Which which one? The eight they've had this year. Yeah, that's yeah, right. And, yeah. and uh, Lou McCurry today was, you know, writing about how, um, you know, how what a ridiculous thing that Watford had done was With when, them. and yet they got promoted and all the English-style managers like your McLarens, um, you know, and um, McCarthy um, were up sitting there watching it. And sorry, that's referring to a Lou McCurry interview. Again, if you if you Google um, Stoke Sentinel, Lou McCurry, Brentford, there's an interview on there where he basically slags us off and says this is the beginning of the end for the traditional manager. Uh, what are Brentford doing? You know, West Brom, they screwed it up, blah, blah, blah. Now, listen. Well, listen Premiership West Brom. You know, 
Premiership Watford. But at the end of the day, look, you know, what's what we're saying is that now? we're not going to put people down. But the thing about it is that people are going to come down and say things. They need to have a little bit of substance to what they're saying. And unfortunately, Lou Bakari, he's not been in the managerial game for what, how many how many years? He's done he's done some prize winning acting though last year. He did it actually. Yeah, yeah, very good BAFTAs, you know. But the thing is, he was talking about stuff that he did 20 odd years ago when he found a player from Iceland, I think it was, and he brought him over and he saw him play two games and he thought he was absolutely brilliant. But the problem is, things have moved on now, and the fact is that if you're not going to get in with the game, people are going to get ahead of you. Well, if you're not in with the game, you're out of the game, and it would appear to me that he's out of the game. And that, that's not that's actually not being anti Macari. I never liked him when he was a manager anyway, and I like him even less now he's not one. Can or we go player. can we go back though to the or point that I made at the very start of this podcast, which is that this is not gonna be an overnight success. No. Um, well we, and, we know. You know this time next year, if we are sitting around saying, Okay, good season for Brentford, solid mid table result, that would probably satisfy me. But there will be some people, and particularly in the press, who will be saying, oh, well, look at what Brentford, there they were, challenging for the playoffs a year ago. And now, in summer 2016, they'll be saying, oh, well, Brentford, you know, shows it doesn't work. Okay. This is a project. Okay, there's two and things. You've got to, and a project you've got to give time okay, to there's work. Okay, two, there's two things we have to look at then there. This one thing is we have to look at the player recruitment, as in the players that we've got. Other are, are players, if they're going to be with us, don't forget that Warburton and and, and Uwe Rosler work with a, a block of players for a period of two to three to mm. almost four years. So there was a continuity there. We remember when they first started off, and Uwe remember he was trying to get them to play a particular style of football, and it was working sort of, but it was still struggling to a certain extent. After two or three years, it was just like you know, it's like water of a duck's back. There's an issue there as. The, you know, some of our players may go, so he's going to have to bring new players in, and we're going to have the gelling factor, like you know. So that's well, that's his that's his first big challenge, isn't it? Is that he's got to get a group of players that you know haven't played together, or a group of players he didn't choose playing together. Um, you could make an argument that he got a group of players that he didn't choose particularly um, in his first half of the season. Um, Excelsior and he got promoted so he may have some experience I, th- I think Nick's, Nick's actually touched on something there that's actually quite profound if the press don't understand something they'll ridicule it and I think that the Benham witchcraft this, this mathematical model is going to be that, that they are going to try and um, undermine it they're yeah. going to try and ridicule it now that Mitterland have won the Danish title if they don't defend it they're going to be it's going to, they're going to be one season wonders if Brentford don't replicate it it's going to be seen as a failure if, if they don't do well in Europe the press are going to be there trying to snipe for him so I, I think you know he has to make a commitment to making it work and, and, and I think he's the guy that will want to make it work it's just about also let's just come back to this mathematical model and say this every single time the thing that makes me laugh is that it's one of those things I mean I work in PR I know what the story is the press get onto something and they just go off with it this mathematical model thing that they talk about before I'm not being funny mate but we've been there for we've been using it for three or four years Brentford have been using the mathematical stuff for three or four years and it's not the be all and the end all it's just part of what we do 
Hotter was signed up through Mathematical. Andre Gray was signed up. Hogan was signed up through Mathematical. Odubaju was signed up through Mathematical. What it is, is a shit filter. That's what it is. You go out there and you use this machine and what he does is says, there's 500 players out there. These players are good. Let's have a look at them. It's not rocket science, okay? The reason why our system has changed is about the veto scenario. What they've decided is that they want to have a sporting director who is instrumental in buying the players and the manager or the coach who's instrumental in coaching. Doesn't mean that the coach can't still turn around and say, listen, I've seen a player over there. He's wicked. He could throw it into the pot. And that is the difference where people have got this completely and utterly wrong. And it really does pee me off when I hear people about Bakari and you've got Alan Brazil. They've got no idea what they're talking about. But then, to be fair, maybe we've lived with it a lot longer. Yeah, but, you know, due credit to them, they, you know, Alan Brazil and Lou Macari have had successful football careers. But they have had successful football careers. The, 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 the wording is had. You know, football is entering a new era um, and we are moving into an exciting new world with this stats break approach. And it's going to be bumpy and it's going to be rocky and we've got to keep we've got to show some faith in it we've got to show some faith for a couple of years if it doesn't work within 24 months i'll be the first person on this podcast to be saying right okay that style of management I, that style of coaching has proved that it doesn't work in but, the but, but, game we've but, got to look at that we've got to look at an alternative approach but i understand what you're saying back, but, my, but, my, but my argument is i'm going to say to you is that right listen right Traditional stats. This will tell you what Lou Macari used to do. He'd turn around and he'd go, he'd get the newspaper, he'd go, oh, you know, Peter McCann, he scored 14 goals in 19 games. His stats are good, I'm going to buy him, right? So he'd tittle down in his car and he'll go and sign him. That was what it was in those days. Now what's happened is it's become more sophisticated. You'll say, oh, we need to stick to this approach. But at the end of the day, it's not like, and it's just like all we're doing is we're using information to make certain decisions it's like listen at the, this player is fast or this player is Bill Bill Bill, Bill but the, yeah. the point is you can feed loads of information you could you could feed in all sorts of stats into a computer and actually the computer could come up and say right buy X, Y and Z players and you'll win the Champions League within and two, that's what two they, years and that's what the algorithm is about and that's what the algorithm may be about and I am perfectly prepared to accept that stats may work but what I want to do is make sure that we stick with those stats stick with that stats approach for a couple of years if it doesn't work no um, you know then we've got to start thinking well is this the right way to go go about it but you know I'm giving it 24 months I might even give it 36 but you do, know, do you no think right. we've given it some time already no so you think this is a complete new fresh start? I think this is a complete new fresh start because we've got the sporting director, because we've got brought in people, the structure, we brought in the people from outside. I, I'm perfectly happy I, to give I, it a go. And I, 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 I agree, none of us are getting any younger and um, I'm impatient for success, but if, if, if Brentford in the championship doing well, playing lovely football, is, is as good as it gets. I'm, I'm kind of quite happy where I am. I, I, to, to be honest, I'm sort of... I, there's a lot of me that thinks, really, what I want out of life is to watch decent football being played at a reasonable level. But we're there um, already, are we? And I think we, we were there this season, weren't we? You know, um, of course I'd, I'd love... Not, I'd love to have a little play in the, in the Premier the, League. I'm not saying I don't have that ambition. The problem is Warburton was too successful this year. 
I mean, you know, he he was so successful that he got us into almost got us into the Premiership. The one fear that I have is the fact that you've got a head coach and his assistant who have come into the club, and a lot of people say this they don't know the league. Now, how good or how bad is that? We don't know. One interesting scenario, though, if you listen to the, Ken, uh, the, the Angerson and Giles interview, they talked about Kev O'Connor's new role. He's going to be primarily under-21's coach, so he's brought into the coaching system. But what it sounds to me like is that he's going to be the buffer person. He's going to be like the man who's going to be talking, talking to, 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 to Dykehouse and saying to him, look, this is the way it goes in this league. Because what you haven't got at the moment now is you haven't got anybody in that setup, from what I can understand, who knows who've had experience of the English leagues. And I do believe that that is... That is quite valuable. I think you need all parts, don't you? To you know, there's all these bits of the jigsaw you need to fit in, and somebody needs to know a little bit about the league, and um, and also have some sort of you know contact with the with the players as well, because because there needs to be probably in these early days there needs to be a bridge between the players and the new coach. He, I, I can't imagine he's going to come in win everybody over straight away. Nick, you don't agree? Uh, no, I do. And who better than Mr. Brentford? Yeah, that's well, his, you know that is Kevin O'Connor. I've got to say that you know he's played 500 games for Brentford. I don't know how good a coach he is. Yeah, um, yeah. And and I know his I know his wife's taken a quite a big backseat <laughs> recently. But 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 he was involved with the coaching of the under 21s. He he helped started yeah. helped out, and they actually the development squad, as we saw on some of their games, played a really good start. I'm with I'm with you all. You know. I, I yeah, just yeah, hope yeah, yeah. I hope that he is as good a coach as he was a player because no one can fault his commitment to Brentford if he is half as good as coach as he was a player Brentford will do to be honest the two points I brought up I'm not thinking of him as a coach I'm thinking of him more as somebody that is that connection with this league and this group of players Um, does football work like like that is there a kind of like a continuity coach I'm not sure there is. I think you can have all sorts of different, you know, different um, roles for people to play. I'm not saying, you know, because like you say, I don't know how good a coach Kevin O'Connor is. To be honest, there's a lot of there's a lot of players that stay on at clubs, coach, become managers, and it doesn't work out. If I'm Mr. Allison, I would say, I would say, you know, Kevin, you know what you know what Brentford is. You 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 are. The, the ethos of what a Brentford player should be yeah. therefore come and tell us and communicate someone, and let you know, us, someone that's yeah. come through the youth system Precisely. play 500 games for your club yeah, yeah, yeah. and then starting to coach the youth system wanna, again you yeah. can't, yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. get more inspiration any, that, any intelligent any intelligent coach any intelligent sporting director any intelligent manager would want to feed off what Kevin O'Connor can offer and, they're gonna, and to be honest this, this management team need to win the players over so who better? You know, which is true. Again, and they need to win the players over. I think also to a certain extent. No, you have to remember that this management team are in place, and the players also are on the verge of the prem. Right, they're on the verge of the prem, and we could still be on the verge of the prem. So they need to be professional about it as well. So they need to just go about their business. But listen, but also talking about business, we talk about the team we're talking about at the moment now, the squad. Apparently. Rasmus and Giles want a bigger squad. Now, it's interesting because this season, part of the beef was that we felt that we needed to strengthen our side in January because we weren't, you know, we needed a few extra players, possibly a couple of strikers, possibly a couple of defenders to actually get us to that next level. It didn't really happen and we, 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 we sort of whimpered out a little bit at the end. We also got found out to a certain extent 
we, we do believe, but that's what the vibe is from certain people as well. But interesting that there's a graphic going around saying that the sides who are most successful in the championship, Division 1 and Division 2, all had small players or a small What's team, the you know, the, the, the sort of ah, least number of players that played for them. So, Brentford were the team that had the least players in the championship. Um, we had um, Southend, one of the teams as well, who were in the, and Wickham, I think, in the Division 2, and also in um, Division 1, I think Bristol City might have been up there as well, and a few of those other teams. So, what is interesting is that it seems that the teams who were kept it quite tight, who, who, who revol- rotated, the, rotated their players least, actually seemed to be most successful. It's, it's a really difficult balance, because I think we all agree that constant rotation... Um, in, in most cases, certainly at Brentford, hasn't worked particularly well. Um, and when you settle on a team that and you and you know nine of the eleven players are, then then you're um, you know you're it, that's all part of um, what gets the team playing well. It's true, actually, isn't it? Just to rest. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think you know, let let let's be absolutely positive about this. Is that the new management team are going to take a time to establish themselves in English football. We have, as a club and as supporters, got to give them that time to get their feet under the table to understand what it is to be a competitive championship club. Um, I, I have little doubt at the moment from what I hear and from what I read about the personalities involved that we can do that. But boy, we're going to have to have a bit of patience about it. To go, sorry, to go, and, and to go back to the squad thing, um, it's getting that balance, isn't it? Because you don't, you know, the, I suspect if we'd have had two or three more injuries in February, Some. we'd have really, really struggled last season. Um, we got away with not we having that many injuries. I think we were lucky. Yeah. Um, the squad wasn't big enough. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and to be honest, some of the players that came in ended up at Wickham on loan. Um, rather than you know, rather than looking like they were going to carry on pushing for a side in a, in a championship team. Yeah. So, the, but the other problem with getting the balance is keeping people fit mm-hmm. um, and bringing in players. You know, in, in the end, we, we settled with two centre backs, having rotated, 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 rotated. Um, it, it, that is one of the great. I mean, that's what you pay a coach for, isn't it? Yeah. And, and talking about coach, just I was an interesting because I, I want to bring up here, yeah, what coach indeed. I'm talking about this veto thing. I come back to this again because you know, Phil, um, um, uh, Ankerson and Giles were asked, you know, why does the head coach not have veto? Why doesn't he have veto? And what, what they explained was that no one really has veto. It's more about everyone has input. Coach sets his requirements out, so like you know, Dykehausen would say, "Look, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want." The recruitment team identifies options by whatever means. So we'll go out there and say, "Look, these players, whatever like that, he'll, he'll identify them." Then the management team come together and they'll give their input on the player. So what they're saying is that. Mm. Sorry, hang on. So you it, can't... Sound, it sounds like bullshit. To be honest. Um, I think I think I, I think that we um, I think we I think the whole system is that we know that there is veto. And the veto is with decision makers, and the decision decision makers now are probably Ankerson and Benham, and maybe Crown, but probably Benham and Ankerson. And I, I think the new manager will have a say in it, but I think ultimately that's the system we bought into. They identify the players, the, the statistical guy and the um, analytical guy, 
and then you've got the guy who's got the money, and then and then they will identify. Yeah, but what, 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 let me just come back to this because I think that this is really important because, yeah, yes, that is correct. But however, this is the vibe that I've got is that what happens is that. It's a circular. No, it's a circular situation where everybody can throw their input in. But veto, no, 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 no. Sorry, veto, sorry, sorry. No, as much as ultimate veto. As, no, much, veto. as much as I would like, as much as I would like to think you can run a football club on a cooperative basis, I just simply don't think it works. There needs to be somebody clearly accountable, and um, and there needs to be the the person or two people maximum who say right this is the way that we are going to but, operate but this no, but what this comes back to i think this what this highlights that this this and the other statement is is saying that obviously that there's situations that obviously happened before where players that maybe should have come in which didn't come in but uh, hold on here yeah. I, no, no. I, I thought with warburton gate we got to, i thought we've got to some clarity here that that there was a difference of opinion and and the owner wanted ultimate decision on signing to the club and that was that was the that was the polarity between the two that you had a manager that wanted to use one method of identifying players and signing them and you had the owner that wanted a different route and the owner because he was putting the money in he won he he he, he got the power Before. and i think that's i think if we're going to be honest i think that's the ultimate decision now is going to be with the owner. Uh, I think that that's the situation. We can dress it up any way we want, but I think the owner will have ultimate veto in signings. And you I think cannot, that's the way he wants it. You cannot run a football club as a cooperative. It, you know, ideal. As I said, in an ideal world, that's how I'd like to see it happen. But it's football is not ready for a cooperative style I, I, of I think I think Matthew Benham has decided that he wants ultimate veto on signings. And okay, I, but I'm going to throw this into the pot. If, Di, if, if Dijkhausen turns around and said, I have a great player from Holland and I think you should sign him, of course. Right, right, they'll, all, they'll all listen to that. Well, yeah. that's not, I'll listen, wait, wait, wait. But if Benham says, I've got a great player from my stats system and I think we should sign him, and they all think, let's have a listen to that. And if... Um, Giles turns around and says, "Oh, I've got this thing that's come out of my computer, and I think he's brilliant. Let's sign him." They all think of that. Well, hopefully, hopefully they'll sign both, and they'll they'll they loan one out to your team at MK Dons. Yeah, that's right. However, I think that when that system breaks down, is if all of a sudden you've got that three circles, and there's one or two of the parties that are not being listened to, so they either turn around to Dyneshausen. But we, or, we we've been through this. It's like we we have been through this with Rosler. You know, where there was one player, one person that was able to sign players, then all of a sudden all three had to agree on the, on, on the signing and then, that, then the signing happened. And, you know, we, we, it's kind of like an evolution of, of signing procedures and protocols. And I, but ultimately, I think, and, and if that's the way he wants it, and we, we've backed him on it, then he, you know, we need to be honest that the owner has ultimate veto. Yeah. Somebody, somebody needs to be make a decision. Yeah. Maybe there's a part that's, that that is identified, but for us is missing. But it's identified internally. And of course, you know, if if the manager and if coach or if a player sees some amazing raw talent talent somewhere, and you know, you'll, we'll be mad not to sign you. And the stats don't add up, then we'll, 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 I'm sure we'll get into. It's, it's, it, you know, I think we need to be open to all systems. And you're right, Bill. You're absolutely right. We, we, it's not exclusive to one system. No, it's not at all. And it's interesting as well because they were asked whether or not players will become robots. 
well, people, you know. So will they become robots? Um, as in, like, oh, stats, or you go out there and you you got to stick to your centre circle, you don't come out of there. Um, but the, the, the vibe on that was like, the, the football's about emotion and passion. So, but what they're trying to do is add more objectivity because football decision making is all about emotion at the moment now. And if we can add a little bit more objectivity rather than just fully emotion, then hopefully we can get different answers out of it. And that's just, again, the if, argument is if, keeping ahead of the game of these other people who have got loads more money than if us. If somebody can coach footballers to make good decisions constantly rather than bad decisions occasionally, then... Um, well, then their name is Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, or... But basically, you know, footballers, a lot of footballers make bad decisions. Well, and, and to be honest with you, if, if we can get to a system where footballers become footballers again, rather than mindless celebrities, then I'm, I'm happy with that system too, because, you know, footballers should be just playing football. You've got people like Joey Barton and Robbie Savage that are complete idiot celebrities that just, I, I don't know... There's an argument for another day. Yeah. There is. Well, listen, just coming back to our manager, Marius Dijkhausen, the vibe we got is that he's well-liked. Yeah. He changed their style of football, you know. Yeah. Um, he's a good bloke. I mean, they, they seem to love him. He's a good motivator, and he also seems to take the bar up, actually, to make players better. He is inexperienced. So, you know, so... There's, like I said, there's a tall. He's tall. He's six foot six. Tall. So he's, he's the um, he's tall. the officially the tallest Brentford manager of all time. Indeed. So like I said, there's pros and cons of of, of, of this guy and taking us up and and just focusing on the manager and looking at the system that he's in now. How do you think that he'll be able to operate? Looking at what he's done at the moment now, because obviously you know the budgetary thing. I think is the budgetary thing. I think is really important because he's basically had to do. He's he's made stuff out of hot air, right? Like I'm saying, which is which is interesting. Hotter, hotter. you know. Hotter. So come back to to to, to House and like I said, inexperience, change the style of football. But how will he fit into that system? And do you think that it is beneficial what he will bring to the game? Because like I said, he's he's made a lot out of nothing. I. To be honest, I've got no bloody idea. I have no idea how it'll work out, and that is what the real excitement uh, is going to be. Um, I think can't that, wait. I cannot wait for the season to start. I think to we've see, all. You know. I think we've all got no bloody idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's always a danger when you get a new coach that you go, oh. <laughs> As I've done a few times um, with Brentford, you know, with, with, with names of Brentford coaches. Um, and then there's times when you go, wow, this time we're all looking at each other going, mmm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but go, mmm, in, so, okay. in a positive yeah, sense. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah. so I'm going to ask you, what's the thing that most excites you about Dykehausen? About Dykehausen? Yeah. I'm, the, the, the fact that he brings a new style of football into British, into the English league, into the English championship. Um, but it's, you know, we are on, I've said this before, we are on a magical mystery tour with this. And I am perfectly happy to stick along for the ride. Matt, what excites you? Um, I think what excites me, I, I, I like the idea of a foreign coach. Um, I, English football for me is living in the past. Um, so, you know, I'm glad we. I'm just glad we haven't gone and dragged the depths of some past English manager that that go just go round and round in circles, getting job after job after job. Mm. So, you um, know, I, 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 
I'm positive for that reason. I was disappointed. Disappointed we didn't get David Pleat, but um, you know, it was. Um, I, I think. I think he fit. I think the new manager fits into the Brentford ethos. I think. I think the the sum adds up. I think you know what he's achieved in Holland and, and what we're hoping he achieves in England. I think. I think there's a there's a correlation between between the two things. Um, he's tall. Um, no one's got a bad word to say about him. Everybody and says I, he's a good bloke, and, and I think that fits into the Brentfordness of the whole situation. Yeah. I've, I, you know, I've said this before, and I, I know I say this every week. I've said this before. Well, I, ha I have said this before. It's important that whoever becomes the, 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 the manager, the owner, the CEO, the whoever of Brentford Football Club understands Brentford football, and I think he stands a good chance of doing so. And I have no doubt that he'll probably understand the ethos of Brentford Football Club because he stood on the Ealing Road Terrace and watched a game. And as on, we all know... On his dad's 70th birthday. He brought his dad over for his 70th birthday present. As we all know, the best people stand on the Ealing Road Terrace. That's right. And for me, the two things that, that, that warmed to me when I was interviewing the Dutch fans was the fact that they just turned around and said he's a good bloke he's just an absolutely good bloke and I think that is a lot of the fears for a lot of Brentford fans they were worried because Mark Warburton is a good bloke he's one of us as we said and we were worried that we'll get somebody who we can't relate to so I think that's very important that he's a good bloke I also I'm one of these people who like to go out on a limb and I like doing things differently I think things that are different I really hate people who do things uniformly and the same and I like the fact that Brentford have gone out on a limb and have done something which is different which ain't like QPR or Fulham or Man United or Chelsea or whoever of these other people we have just gone out we've picked somebody who they've all gone who and I think for us that stamps not only a personality but it just it stamps a personality on our club as it is as in this and we're going to do things differently and we need to make sure that the club as a whole reflects the fact that we are different in the whole marketing that we do and they just need to think about that but whatever happens now we have to understand we're not going to go backwards. We will strive to go forwards. And, and if striving go, to go forwards may, may mean we might tread water for a little bit, we are not going to go backwards. Benham will not see us relegated back to League One. That ain't going to happen on his watch. That really is not going to happen on his watch. Two-year project, two-year project. And quickly, guys, I just want to ask you quickly, let's have a little note. What just makes you nervous about the new coach? Uh, the fact that the the, the the fact that he's never worked and he and his colleagues have never worked in English football before. Um, I just think I want to see him win the players over and the players want to play for him. I just I, I just hope there's not this sort of undermining of his authority. Um, having you know they work with Warburton, they all bought, most of them were bought into the club by Warburton, and I can imagine they you know they thought the world of him. So just want to make sure there's no undermining of his authority. I, I don't like the way that he wears clogs. And for me, the clubs don't matter so much. It's it's more about the fact that the the, the British football thing. I'm very open-minded, but I just think the fact that he, you know having somebody in there to entrench him to make sure that in the first year or so that he knows what's going down in the championship and we actually kind of move up another level. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast from De Hems pub in the centre of London. Dutch pub, full of clogs, full of Dutch people, full of orange stuff, full of tulips. All the stereotypes have been thrown around by us. We've been chatting to people. They all know about Excelsior. They all know about Mariners, Dykehausen. They know about everything here. 
we feel much more clued up we feel a little bit more comfortable and hopefully we've discussed a lot of the things that a lot of people have been swirling around in their heads the last few days listen um, we have got no idea when our next podcast is just keep tuned subscribe now to uh, besotted.co.uk or uh, audioboom.com uh, forward slash besotted or iTunes besotted because the next one will just pop up on your phone at some stage uh, we'll come up with some when we sign a few new players or something else exciting happens but other than that we hope everybody enjoys your holiday chill out because next season I think you're going to be busy again running around the whole country and hopefully we'll be able to get six points off not only Fulham but QPR this season and uh, all I can say is uh, Marius Dijkhausen all the Dutch people we have to find out how we can say come on you bees in Dutch probably something like come on you bees come on you bees come on you bees Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.